0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are studying and continuing our study in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have spent the last several sessions in uh, his Sermon on the Mount, which we have come to find out is the foundational principles of uh, the life of Christ or what we would call the doctrine of Christ. So these are foundational studies And, uh, of course, the Sermon on the Mount was given to the disciples by the Lord Jesus. And we've broken the fifth, sixth, and seventh chapters of the Gospel of Matthew into three parts. And we talked about how that chapter five speaks to us of salvation and of our necessity uh, to be born again. And, of course, we understand that the law of Christ requires perfection in our heart, in order for us to fulfill the spirit of the law, which God requires. Amen. And so the law of Moses brought man to the point of desperation, uh, man being unable to reach perfection through the keeping of the law. And of course, Apostle Paul realized this. Uh, he confessed that he said that as pertaining to the keeping of the law, he was blameless. But this uh, perfection Pertaining to the law of Moses, he found to be pointless because all of his effort did not produce what he had labored for. And that is acceptance with God. And that only comes through uh, the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And also we saw in Matthew chapter six, how that this chapter speaks to us of the sanctifying work that takes place in our heart. Uh, When we're born again through Christ. Amen. God separates us from the power of darkness and translates us into the kingdom of uh, his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's there that the Lord becomes our master. Amen. The one in whom we have to do. And so now, as we get into chapter seven, we see both salvation and sanctification at work in us. And they are propelling us towards perfection in Christ Jesus. And of course, when I say perfection in Christ Jesus, I'm talking about spiritual adulthood, that place of uh, spiritual maturity where we're able to discern both good and evil. Amen. And of course, coming to this place of uh, perfection, perfecting holiness in the sight of God we also see the spiritual benefits of submitting to the lordship of the Lord Jesus and of placing the word of God first place in our life. And through these actions, now we become able now to uh, bear fruit unto God, fruit that's acceptable unto God. But now also in this chapter, we see the reverse. We also see the detriment that man is subjected to when he refuses the lordship of Christ and disregards the word of God. Amen. So uh, this is going to be a wonderful, wonderful study today. I've broken chapter seven up into three parts, so we'll do part one today. But before we begin with the Matthew chapter seven verse one, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we bless you. We thank you today for the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into the truth, and Lord makes us as we look to Him, makes us accurate in what we teach, and in what we believe, and in what we do. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, I've entitled this section, Do Not Judge Others. Notice what uh, the Lord Jesus says. He says, Judge not that ye be not judged. Now, the word translated judge comes from a Greek verb, krino. And it means that uh, that we by judging others, we place ourselves as Lord over them. And that's exactly what the, this word intimates. It means assuming a superior position to where we uh, look down and judge others for their faults. And so and, and I the, the Lord Jesus has a lot to say about this in this next few verses. Um It's only God himself that is righteous to judge. Uh, So uh, you and I, instead of passing harsh judgment upon others, we need to look upon that individual the way Jesus does in a merciful way, desiring to win that person and not to cast him away from us. Of course, uh, When we're talking about judgment, now we're going to be discriminating here because there there are areas where we are to judge. But now this is this type of judgment now is a condemnatory judgment. It's uh, placing um, a person in a, a chair of judgment and us passing judgment upon him when we don't know all the facts. We don't. We first of all, we're not the judge. Uh, we are not to be the judge over people to condemn them, but uh, but we are to do just exactly what Jesus says: judge not. And if you don't judge in this manner, then you will not be judged uh, by Him. And verse two says, "For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to." you again so uh, all of these words translated judge or judgment they all come from this Greek word krino amen and so um, Jesus here is speaking to us of putting others on trial as a judge and condemning them Um, you know you and I we are to condemn wickedness and we are to condemn evil actions Um, but we ourselves we're not to judge and condemn others as a means of destroying them Uh, We are men of God, and so we're men of mercy. We're men of compassion. Amen. And never, ever, ever should it be once witnessed within the believer or within the church that we condemn others as an art of character assassination or as a personal destruction to destroy other people. That is not of God. That's of the devil. That's of the spirit of this world. And, of course, we have uh, a perfect example in the trial of Jesus where Annas and Caiaphas uh, openly lied and subverted the law in order to condemn Jesus. This is the type of judgment that God condemns. So and, of course, when we're dealing with brothers and sisters in Christ, they're not our servants. You know, and Scripture tells us that we are not to judge another man's servant because it's before the Lord. That 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 servant stands or whether he falls. So um, so we we are not to sit in the seat of judge and we are not to judge others. And then, of course, in verse three, the Lord Jesus tells us why. And why do you behold the moat that is in your brother's eye? Now, the moat is, is a term talking about a little splinter or a speck, maybe a speck of dust or something like that a speck of dirt. Uh, That has got into our brother's eye. Uh, Why do you behold the mote that is in your brother's eye? But consider not the beam that is in your own eye. Now, Jesus here is speaking to his disciples primarily. But there were others around the disciples and they were listening in. And in verse four says, and how will you say to your brother, let me pull the little speck or that little splinter out of your eye, and you have a beam in your own eye. And I like the way the New International Version uh, translates this verse. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank that is in your own eye? Amen. And so, of course, the word moat comes from the Greek word kathos. And it means just that, just a a piece of straw, a piece of chaff, a twig. Uh, The NIV says a speck of sawdust. Amen. And the word beam that the NIV uses, it comes from the word dokos. And it means a stick of timber. It means a piece of lumber. Uh, We could call it today a two by four. And so... When we choose to judge others, we actually what we're doing is we're condemning ourselves because the judgment that we pass on other people is the same criteria that will be used to judge us. And so uh, if we don't want to be judged in this life by others, then we should not be judging others for the things that they do that aren't necessarily right. Now, we can draw attention towards evil, of course, you know, as a means of teaching others what evil is, but not attack people personally. That, I think, is God's province. It's not ours. Uh, we are to love that person and we are to pray for that for that person. And then verse five says, you hypocrite first cast out the beam out of your own eye, and then you shall see clearly to cast out the mote out of your brother's eye. So the first thing that we need to pay attention to. Is our own faults, our own weaknesses, our own failures. And we certainly don't need to play the party of a hypocrite. And what is a hypocrite? Well, it's someone who professes a belief or an opinion of someone or something that does not hold to it himself. That's a hypocrite. So why, and we see a lot of that today. We see a lot of hypocrisy today. People pointing fingers at other people and accusing them of the very things that they are doing. That is wickedness. That comes right out of the pit of hell. That is diabolical. That is demonic. And of course, that's exactly what the devil does. And the people that do these things and do it without shame and do it out in the open, boldly, you know exactly you can make this judgment, you, uh, although what, without attacking them, you can you can know right away that they're of their father, the devil. And see that is a recognized evil. Now, we we have we must judge recognized evil. And of course, how do we address it? Well, we address it with the word of God. We don't attack people personally. But we always always counter the evil that's in the world with the good that's in the word of God. I mean, how else are people going to uh, correct themselves if they don't know the truth and they must know the truth? Amen. Now, Paul said this in Romans chapter two, verse one. He says, you, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. That's reading out of the New International Version. So uh, before we judge others for their faults and failures, you know, we need to set our own life in order. We need to consider ourselves. Amen. And before we judge others for the twig that's stuck in their eye, uh, we have to consider the beam that may be in our own eye. Amen. Praise God. So let's do this. Let's just work on our life. And when we see inconsistencies and infirmities in other people's lives, uh, let's pray for them. Amen. Now, verse six. What happens when we've come through a great deliverance and we have found freedom in Christ And we see others that are suffering through the same type of infirmities that we have suffered through. And so our desire to help them, we reach out to them uh, to help them remove that 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 is in their life. And they turn around and and they attack us and they ridicule us. What do we do about that? Well, (coughs) Jesus says this beginning, I mean, he points to this uh, issue uh, in verse six. Notice what he says. He says, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample under their feet and turn again and rend you. Now, notice what he's notice what Jesus says. Give. Do not give that which is holy to the dogs. Now, what the Lord Jesus is speaking of here is that food or that meat that has been offered to God in sacrifice on the altar and has considered holy. The priest, they would always consider that sacrifice to be holy. And of course, that sacrifice was only to be used uh, within the temple. And it most certainly was not to be Uh, taken off the altar and then cast to dogs or cast to people who were not worthy of it. And so what Jesus, I think, is saying here, he's talking about the truth that we have found out through deliverance. The things that we have gone through. The things that uh, now we desire through our deliverance, we desire to see other people delivered. And so we go to certain individuals with a desire to help them, but they turn right around and they attack us. And so what Jesus is saying here is that when. In the midst of trying to minister to people, not judging them, but a desire to help them. And of course, the people that we desire to help turn around and attack us, then. Uh, we're to offer nothing else. And I think that's what Jesus is speaking of here when he says, give not that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. See, what you have, you have from God. I mean, that is your blessing. That is something that God has done for you. And of course, you want to turn around and, and, and take that blessing and give it to somebody else because uh, you're grateful to the Lord for that. Well, not everybody is going to receive it. Many times they'll turn around and call you a hypocrite. Oh, you hypocrite. Why are you trying to judge me? Or they'll they'll attack you for trying to judge them. And you're not judging them. You're just trying to help them. So what are we to do? Well, we are to do exactly what Jesus told his disciples When he sent them out to minister and he said this, if the house, once you enter into a house, if the house is worthy, then let your peace come upon it. In other words, you bless it. But if it is not worthy, then let your peace return to you. And see, we are not to give that which we consider to be holy. I mean, what God has done in my life, you know, delivering me from a lot of evil. That's sacred to me. That's holy to me. But now, see, I I know I don't believe God delivers me. I know he has delivered me and I can take that which God has done to me and I can help others. Well, not everyone is willing to receive that because of pride, because of selfishness, selfishness or whatever. You know, we are not to judge people unjustly, but we are to judge between that which is evil and between that which is good and believe me there are people in this world who do not appreciate the way god has worked in your life as a matter of fact they don't like it at all and if you try to help them they'll attack you and so these are the things that jesus is warning us you know we're not to uh, give that which is holy Uh, And we can use this as a as an example of truth. We are not to give what we have come to know to be the truth to dogs. Why? Because they'll turn around and rend us or to swine. We're not to give our pearls. Amen. To the swine because they'll trample that truth underfoot and they'll come and they'll rend us. They'll attack us. Amen. So I think the Lord is speaking there of people that we just can't help we may try, but they're not going to receive help from us. And I've had people come to my church when I was pastoring and I just, I wanted to help them. I would go to visit them and I, you know, I just did it one time and I knew just by their demeanor and just by their attitude that they had no respect for me. They did not want me to be their pastor. And so I had just to leave them alone. And, uh, you know, and just pray that somewhere along the line, somebody's going to be able to uh, reach that person and to help them. Amen. So, I remember, as an example, years ago, watching a minister on TV uh, attempt to speak to everyone in the audience. Now he was he was on a a television show that was antagonistic towards him. But yet he felt the need to speak the truth. And when he began to speak to the audience concerning holy conduct, that entire audience turned on him and began to revile him to the great delight of the host. Everything that the minister said was true. I mean, it was scriptural. But the dogs and the swines, to use Jesus' own terms, that were in the audience wouldn't have any of it. I mean, they would have none of it. And they turned on him like wild dogs would turn on a prey. So there are certain men and women in this life that are depraved. Uh, They know nothing of the holiness of God. They know nothing of the separation uh, that, uh, that God desires in taking a person out of the kingdom of darkness and planting them into the kingdom of his dear son. And we're not going to be able to help them. We're not going to be able to minister to them until God first opens their eyes, the eyes of their heart, their eyes to see and their ears to hear. Only after that, only after God does that, are we able to help them. So now Jesus in in verse seven, seven through 12, he talks about. The area of prayer, and I think this certainly, this passage certainly has to do with everything that is in this chapter, but also has to do with everything that we have uh, taught and we have looked at in the previous two chapters. Now, verse seven says, "This: Ask and it shall be given you; seek and ye shall find; knock and it shall be opened unto you." So that tells us right there. That the things that we uh, need to know concerning people, places and things will be revealed to us. Now, these three words, ask, seek, knock, they're all present active imperatives. In other words, they are commands that Jesus is telling his disciples. And of course, Jesus is speaking to us today that we are to do in prayer. In petition and in intercessory prayer, we are to ask, we are to seek, and we are to knock. And this leaves us with the idea that we are to continue to ask, we are continued to seek, we are continued to knock. We are to do all of these in the area of prayer until we understand and come to the realization or to the answer of that which we are asking for, which we are seeking for. In which we are knocking and so this verse here this applies uh, to us as disciples it applies to judging others whether we know that they're of the truth or they're not we, ne- we need to be very discerning in the area of working and dealing with other people that applies to ministers ministers are angels of light many times they're deceitful brethren. Uh, they, they have uh, the love of money in their heart. And we have to know these things. We can't be uh, deceived by them. We can't be so gullible and so naive to think that everybody that ministers or everybody that is a church member has our best interests at heart. They don't. So how do we know? Well, we ask, we seek, and we knock. Amen. And of course, the Holy Spirit will be able to show us uh, those that are of the faith and those that are not of the faith. Amen. So once again, we see this area of judgment that God allows. And we have to have a discernment. We have to have a judgment in us. We've got the Spirit of God that leads us and guides us into the truth, but also... The Spirit of God will also caution us concerning people, concerning places, and concerning uh, things. And then verse 7, uh, Jesus says, For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks, it shall be open. Amen. Notice the term, it shall be. There's not a sh- stronger expression in the English language than shall. So if we ask in faith, we receive. If we seek in faith, we receive. If we're knocking in faith and continue, amen, I, you know, to me, perseverance is the key to success. We just stay with it. Just continue to stay with it. And we'll come to an answer. God will grant to us the wisdom. Now, the answer we get may not be the answer we were looking for. But we have come to that place where we understand God's will and that should be enough for us. Amen. Verse nine says, or what man is there of you whom his son asked bread? Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Of course, Evil here is talking about not being born again. In other words, if ye then being evil or flesh ruled or a sinner, we'll say that way, a sinner, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good gifts to them that ask him? There's a lot of sinners in the world that do good things. Many benevolent organizations that help children, they have children's hospitals, they do a lot of, of very notable good deeds, but yet they don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And of course, what uh, what Jesus is saying here, these people being evil, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? So, do we want good things from the Father? Well, then we need to begin asking for them. We need to be seeking for them. I think in this day, in this hour, the greatest thing that we can seek for is a deeper, deeper experience in the Holy Spirit. A deeper experience in Christ. Something that transcends what we have experienced up to this point. And, of course, knocking. Knocking. If you want to, if you know somebody is in a house and you want to talk to them and you knock on the door and they don't come, what do you do? You knock again and you knock again. Maybe you go from the front door to the back door until you, until that person hears you knocking on the door and comes and answers. Every prayer just doesn't get answered instantaneously. There are times and seasons where we're going to have to pray. And wait on God and stay in the word of God and don't be moved by circumstances. Notice what uh, what John writes in first John, chapter five, verse 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us according to his will. He hears us. This is what makes praying the word of God so important. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have desired from him. Amen. But now James says this in his letter, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like the uh, surf of the sea. This is new American standard. Driven and tossed by the wind, for let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. So God's requirement for us to receive that which we ask for is faith. Got to have faith in him, faith in his ability, faith in the word of God. Because really, prayer is praying what he has already said. That's praying his word. Amen. And then, of course, verse 12 says, Therefore, all things whatsoever you would men should do to you, do even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Do you like being judged by others? Well, don't judge others. Amen. Do you like being attacked? Well, don't attack others. Be wise as serpents, like Jesus said, but also be as harmless as as doves and just walk like Jesus walked that's what we need to do we need to endeavor in every area of our life to walk as he walked amen and to be like him he has certainly given us the power to do that hasn't he father we bless you we thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy and Lord for this word we hold to this we take hold of this word and put it into practice in our life now we give you thanks for it father in Jesus name amen
1: Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly